This is a podcast from ABC Radio Overnights. I'm Rod Quinn. This is Overnights on ABC Radio, and um, it's time to talk money. It's time to talk cash. It's time to time to talk notes. It's time to talk coins, and we do that with Joel Candire. He's a numismatist, commerce teacher from Perth, TikTok as well. You may have seen his work there and on Instagram as well, known as the history of money. What a fascinating topic. Joel, a very good morning and welcome to the program. Good morning, Rod. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. How far back does money go? And is it the older you get, the more collectible it is? Not necessarily. I think we look at money in itself in its paper form. We go back a couple of thousand years and towards where China pretty much invented paper banknotes and coins go much further, you know, we're looking at the Roman times and before that you're looking at, you know, things such as arrow tips and shells and and stones and whatnot. So it goes thousands of years into that sense. But in terms of the age of the money versus how rare it is, it really depends on a whole range of factors in terms of how many of those coins were made, um, the demand for the market and all that kind of thing. So you got a lot of British coins, especially in the 1800s, that were minted in its in its excess during the Victorian times. And so, you know, a lot of people, especially in the UK, come across coins that are found in 1850s, 1860s, but they might be lucky that they only get maybe 50 pence or a pound for them. So usually older doesn't mean it's rare. I and mean, the same thing applies to the Australian pennies and, and whatnot. So people usually come across pennies and half pennies and threepences and, and shillings, whatever. And generally they're only worth the, the weight it's in terms of metallic value. And only certain specific coins are worth more than than its face value. All right. We've got so much we want to talk to you about. We want to encourage people to uh, talk to Joel. Like Graham the cabbie on the Sunshine Coast. G'day, Graham. Good evening. How are you all? Uh, not too bad. You've got a question about $5 coins. Well, last week, um, one of the girls well, rang at the ABC up here and said that she had three $5 coins that she's had since she... Uh, early 90s, I think she said. I've never heard of them. I'm just wondering if a, your man can shed any right. light. No worries, Graham. Thank you very much. Joel, so we are familiar with the, you know, the mm. dollar coin, $2 coin, yeah. $0.50 cent piece, $0.20, cent, $0.10, cent, $0.05. Cents. What about the $5 coins? Uh, so the $5 coins started in 1988. So 1988 was a big year for currency in Australia. We got, we saw the $2 coin for the first time. We had our first ever polymer $10 note. But a forgotten piece of history is that we saw our first ever $5 coin. And that was made to commemorate um, the opening of New Parliament House, which was then the most expensive building in the world. Um, so what happened there, they made 3 million of them and they were released through Commonwealth Bank where you could go to the bank, give a $5 note and you get a $5 coin return in a sort of like a little plastic sachet yeah. or something. And so between 88 and probably 1999, the mint went through this sort of, I guess, rampage might be a bit of a harsh word, but it went through this, you know, their, their, their fashion at the time and minted these big, giant $5 coins. So they're made of the same metals as the $1 and $2 coins, but they're about weighing about 28 grams, so double the weight of a 50-cent coin. And most of them actually have lost value over time. So um, those ones from 1988, the Parliament House ones, they you bought them for $5, you might be lucky to get them for 6 or $7 at the moment. And most dealers will maybe buy it back from you at face value at this point in time. Um, coins such as the Olympic series from the year 2000, so 28 
different coins were minted um, representing each sport that was played at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. They all sold for $8.95 each. Um, at the moment, they're probably, you know, probably going to get them for 6 or $7 at the moment. So wow. the $5 coin was a big collectible item in the 90s, but the demand for them, because so many of them made, even in the yeah. millions, um, just, just no demand for them at the moment. I think there was a Don Bradman $5 coin. Was there, there was, yes. Um, there was a bimetallic one, which was a special yes. one. Um, I think that might be worth around a $10 mark. So mm. what is those one of those few ones that sort of held its value but hasn't been significant appreciation in that. Okay. So one of the things that you mentioned is there were, say, 3 million of those first uh, yes. Parliament House coins. I mean, 3 million seems a lot. Is it a lot in uh, Australia's coins? You, in terms of the context, um, I think, and Dr. Andrew Lee came out the other day um, to talk about something about the King Charles coins, whatever. 15 billion coins have been made with the Queen's head in Australia. Wow. Which is a lot, which is it's a large amount. However, in the context within specifically within the $5 coin um, market, 3 million is a huge amount, given that most $5 coins mintages vary in terms of the tens or the low hundreds of thousands. So this 3 million. Um, coin release was massive and actually spread a lot of fear early on because a lot of people were scared that, and given that this was released two years before it was born, that a lot of people were scared that the $5 coin was going to replace a $5 note, even though the $5 coin was not practical. And the government came out and said, no, this is just a commemorative issue. It's not meant for circulation. People like were still spending them. People were opening yeah. up the packets and, and using it <laughs> at the shops and people were happily accepting them. So it's the 3 million is actually a large amount in, in a collector's sense. Okay. But it's legal tender. If you got that $5 coin, you can use it. Yeah, definitely. Um, all Australian coins um, minted by the Royal Australian Mint and the Perth Mint are legal tender. So whatever value's on there, um, it's good for legal tender. So when they make designs for the coins, they got to go through a process for a currency determination and every coin that's designed is put into actual legislation. So mm. um, the Mint will probably go three years in advance and they'll create an entire list and they'll make amendments to that legislation as time goes on in case something changes or they want to commemorate something new. But literally any coin that's put into legislation for it to be approved to be minted is always going to be legal tender. There you go. All right. Thanks very much for that, Graham. So they could be worth $5. You could, Well, then they are worth $5. That's the thing. I mean, you might buy them for less. I can't imagine you would. But if you're paying 6 or $7 for them, Maybe you're mad because you're only getting $5 back. If you're buying it as an investment, you're not going to make any money on it. If you're buying it to use it, you're losing money. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? But if you get it for $5, you can spend it for $5, everything is fine. Uh, Eric, good morning, Eric. Good morning, uh, Rod, and your guest. Joel uh, was our guest. Joel, yes. Morning, Eric. Yes, good morning. I was wondering, Oliver Cromwell, in the period of the Commonwealth, of England, um, the Republic, with Oliver Cromwell coins. Are they worth much? I believe they're made out of aluminium. Do you have any of them? Uh, no, a friend a friend of mine had one. But okay. Yeah. Right. Okay, thanks, yeah. Eric. Okay, so aluminium coins, were they, Joel? Oliver Cromwell coins. Um, that's something I don't have much experience in. British coins go far deep into history. Um, and I know there were coins, you know, they're, they're probably struck around, you know, the 1650s and whatnot. And there were gold Oliver Cromwell coins, but regarding um, aluminium, I'm not too particularly sure on that. Like with all numismatists, we usually generally have specialist areas where we sort of focus yeah. in. 
because coin collecting and, and even banknotes, the it's so broad where you ask even experienced dealers, they'll have this is what I'm very, very good at, and this is the my weaknesses and that. Mm-hmm. So and I think what's the great thing about collecting coins is that there's so much to learn yeah. from oh, that. Right. So the Crom- Cromwell coins, you know, you're looking at 1650s. Um, I know there's a lot of resources in the UK which you can tap in there. Okay. Um, even the Royal Mint in the UK does its own coin valuing service as well, which is brilliant. All right. Um, yeah, so that, that's check check the Royal Mint or check a few of the coin blogs from the UK and you get a bit more information there. Thanks, Eric. Very interesting, though. Bob is with us. Good morning, Bob. Uh, good morning, Rod. Yeah, you uh, want to ask about a I, uh, coin? Yep. I started collecting about four or five years ago. Uh, the largest coin that Australia produced was the uh, size-wise, it was the 1937 uh, five shilling or the crown. Oh, yes. And uh, I just wondered, uh, it, it, they made a million of them in 1937. Originally, they were going to commemorate the accession to the throne of one of the kings, but he uh, abdicated. Mm-hmm. He married uh, Wallace Simpson. Yes. So they uh, made it down in Melbourne where the mint was making them. But it was quite an interesting thing. They made a million of them. They weren't very popular. And uh, the next year in 1938, they made 100,000 of them. Then they just stopped making them. I just wondered, am I deluding myself or is that a a coin worth collecting? Okay, Joel. So Um, in with the eighth. Yeah, the the 37 crown is a very interesting one, given that, you know, King Edward VIII abdicated the throne in favour to Mary's divorcee wife, while Simpson, and then that coin was commemorated, minted to commemorate the ascension to the throne of George VI. And the mint at the time was actually, was actually run by the government. The Royal Australian Mint actually didn't exist until the 60s. Um, that coin, its um, its value is mostly around bullion value because it's 92.5% silver. It weighs two and a half times a florin. Um, so you're looking at at least $35, and but those in mint condition, you're looking at a couple hundred bucks in the 1937 ones. And it was a very unpopular coin due to the sheer size. I mean, it's it's nearly double the weight of a 50-cent coin, and 50-cent coin is already heavy as it is yeah. um, from there. So they made 100000 the following year, and those ones uh, do fetch a lot of money. So even in its worst condition, the 38 crown will fetch you around $150 to $200, and uncirculated can, um, versions of those are hitting... Two to three thousand dollars each, easy. Mm. So it's the largest circulating coin we've ever had in terms of its diameter, and nearly in terms of weight. If, if you exclude proclamation coinage from the colonial period, from there. Okay, Bob, do you have an uncirculated one or one that was actually out there and being used? No, I, I realised I, uh, I've got a couple of them, but I, I haven't uh, gone to the trouble of getting them specially uh, graded. I just thought I'd collect them. How I came to collect coins, I uh, inherited a lot of my parents' valuables when they passed away and they okay. found they weren't yeah. very valuable. Oh. They were important to my parents, but I, I toted them around in boxes in my garage for about 25, 30 years. I went to uh, uh, an antique fair and I uh, finally started swapping this stuff out for the coins. Okay. So it hasn't cost me too much. Good luck with it, Bob. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Joel Kandaya is our guest as we are talking about coins and the history of them, but also their value. If you've got a question, then please call us, one three hundred eight hundred triple two. You can text, of course, 467 
Joel, we are moving to this cashless world. So yes. how is the collecting business going? The fact that fewer people might need coins, does it mean fewer coins are being um, minted? And does, is that actually good for the collector uh, market? So you've got to look at it into this perspective that the coins that have already been made in the past will always remain as such. And so the coins that were minted for... So the, the mintages of coins and the usage of coins and banknotes and whatnot reflect the demands and needs of society. And yes, even though the usage of physical currency is reducing, if, if you look at the recent RBA study that, you know, one in five one in five transactions now in cash and the rest are now in, in card. And so what's unusual and what's happening at the moment is that we're actually minting more banknotes and we're minting more coins than ever before. And there's two main reasons because of that. Um, firstly, the, in terms of banknotes that we're printing more is mostly in the 50s and 100s. We're not actually printing more fives, tens and 20s. They've fallen quite a lot. And the 50s and 100s are increasing due to them being a store of value rather than use of transaction. On the other hand, um, the last couple of years, we've seen high mintages of one of, of $2 coins. We've seen so many commemorative $2 coins come out. Mm. Um, and the popularity of coin collecting has increased significantly during the pandemic so what we're seeing here is that transactionally we're not using cash at all and i think we look we go to local cafe order shops or whatever and, and even global i just came back from singapore and they're coming they're being cashless as well from a from a nation that's traditionally uses cash quite a lot um so transactionally we're not using cash however in the collector sense the market has never been so wild and i've spoken to a lot of dealers around the place who've been in the industry for a long time they said since 2020, since the end of that initial lockdown we had, the the market for coin collecting has just shot through the roof. And I think it's part because we're locked down. We started discovering things about our families and whatever and things that got passed down to us. We took time to take notice and, and sort of get into the hobby of numismatics in general. Okay. On top of that, yeah. savings rates for Australians were about 20-25%, which historically was about 6%. So a lot of Australians had a lot of spare money and they threw it into different investments over the last two years. So, you know, shares, crypto, whatever. And the rare coin market was also a big um, contributing factor to demand. So people use their spare cash. Low interest rates means they weren't getting enough money in the bank. So they're looking at other forms of investment. And coins was one of them in the last couple of years. Okay. Dean says, I have four consecutive new $5 notes and three consecutive $5 notes. Origin poly... Uh, Polymer notes in mint condition straight from the bank. Are they worth any extra? Also, Conse what's, yeah, consecutive Sorry. notes. Yeah. No, so consecutive notes, essentially, no. your serial numbers are running yep. In, yep. in order, right? So, unfortunately, consecutive notes don't really have any, any additional value unless they're first prefix or last prefix. So, when you think of banknotes being printed, they're usually printed in big, giant sheets. And with the new series of banknotes, they're printed in sheets of about 45 to 54 depending on the note so i think it's 54 five dollar notes um to a sheet and 45 tens 20s 50s and hundreds of the rest so the position of the serial in terms of serial numbers so you look at a serial number banknote and let's say it says aa uh two zero and then followed by seven numbers aa would be the position of the note on the sheet of notes so aa would be at the top left corner um two zero would be the year it was printed so 2020 and the next seven numbers would be the sheet of banknote that was printed on. So the, the consecutive notes don't really have much added value. Um, however, if it's like an AA prefix 
And then EA prefix, well, nine times out of 10, EA prefix is the last prefix of that print run of banknotes. They're generally your high demand ones because collectors like to keep one, banknote collectors, especially Australian ones, will like to keep one of each type. So let's say, for example, the new $5 note, we've had three different print runs since it came out. So 2016, 2019, and 2020. So what collectors will do, they'll click the first prefix and last prefix and a regular prefix for 2016, for 2019, and 2020. So unfortunately, um, consecutive banknotes do not usually have added value unless you've got an EA or EA prefix, which means you've got multiple first prefixes or last prefixes. And so especially if they're in uncirculated condition, there could be some demand for it there. All right. Dean also wants to know what's the best way to get all my coins uh, value estimated without wasting your time, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's plenty of dealers around Australia. Um, if you go online and search Australian Numismatic Dealers Association website, they have an entire directory of approved um, trusted dealers um, around the country. And give them a call, tell them what you have, have a bit of discussion, and then they say, is it worth it or not? Or they might actually come into the shop yeah. as well. So yeah. um, Perth, Adelaide, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, there's so many deals around that you can, you know, and there's many I can recommend uh, that, you know, you can trust trust them and give give you a fair appraisal okay. on, on your collection. Let's talk about 50 cent pieces, perhaps. Mm. Uh, Was says, I have not seen a round 50 cent coin for a long time. How long were they in circulation? They were really only in circulation for three three years, but they were only minted in 1966. So the issue was when it first came out, um, obviously the Royal Australian Mint had a whole bunch of silver that they they procured to mint the round 50 cent coins because they were 80% silver. Um, in that short period of time, there were two big issues regarding that round 50 cent coin. One, the round 50 cent coin was very similar to the 20 cent coin. If you looked at it at a distance, even a bit of a perception shift, if you had coins in your hand, you could not tell uh, between the difference between a 50 cent coin and a 20 cent coin um, unless you flipped it over. And so that was one of the big issues that a lot of people had. And I think there was a there's a really awesome ABC clip on, on YouTube that shows people complaining about that. But the second one, probably the more concerning one, is that over those couple of years, the price of silver skyrocketed um, in the mid mid to late 60s. So by the time the 50 cent coin, round 50 cent coin was released, it had 52 cents worth of silver in it. And that continued to grow. And so what happened was a lot of people were drawing large sums of round 50 cent coins. They were taking them to overseas markets, especially London and Hong Kong, getting them melted down, selling them at spot price, making a profit for there. So the Royal Australian Mint restricted the, the issuance of round 50 cent coins. They didn't mint anything after um, 1966. They melted quite a lot of them down and actually melted them down and sold it for a profit down the track for a couple of million dollars, which was good for them. And they minted more 20 cent coins in 67 and 68 before 1969, we saw the Dodecagon Dodeca 50 cent piece we have today. There you go. Uh, Steve has a question also about 50 cent pieces. Good day, Steve. Hello? Yes, mate. Um, yes. Um, I've got literally thousands of 50 cent coins that I've saved. Um, not too many round ones, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I like them because they're very diverse. There's, a lot, there's lots of variations of, of the emblems on them. Um, I'm curious about the 2001 Federation coin because mm -hmm. they do different states yes. and I don't see too many of them. That's a good point. I yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I, actually, I actually made a video on that this um this afternoon. Um, so the, the coincidence is that is incredible. Um, so the, the State Federation, so Centennial Federation 50 Cent Coins 
Nine of them were minted. So six states plus ACT, Northern Territory, and Norfolk Island all have the coat of arms. Their mintages right. vary from right. 2.1 million to 3 million. So I think it's like 2.1 million for ACT and 3 million for Victoria and everything else in between. In terms of value, um, most of them are probably, probably going to get face value or maybe for a dollar for each. But if it's a mint condition, you're probably looking at 4 to $5 each. However, I think your point earlier about them being diverse is probably the best part of coin collecting where I encourage my followers, don't collect because it's going to be valuable. Collect because the history behind it, the diversity in the in the um, designs and, and things that pique your interest. So I think keeping keeping a good collection of 50 cent coins is, I think, is, is a really awesome thing because there's so many of them designed, especially between 1991 and 2012. There were so many designs in there. So, um, yeah, those 50 cent pieces are really good. Um, Value-wise, probably not significant, but in terms of diversity, yeah, 100%. All righty. There you go. Keep right, them because you on. like them, Steve. No worries. Thank you. I mean, it seems to me, back in the days when we mm. used to use cash, uh, boy, we had a lot of the Captain Cook 1970 50 yes. cent piece and the Charles and Die 1981 piece, yep. the Commonwealth Games from 82 as well, 50 cent piece. Mm. There were gazillions of them, weren't there? There were tons. Like the, um, the Diana Charles one, there's 25 million of them minted in 1981. But you also got to remember late 70s, early 80s, high inflation was also a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of coins are minted. Um, a lot of coins are minted between 81 and 84. Not they're probably the least valuable mint sets, pro sets, um, uncirculated coins in general. Um, but yeah, yeah, 1970 was the first commemorative um, 50 cent coin to Captain Cook. We saw 77, which is the Silver Jubilee. That's probably yes. my favorite um, design of any 50 cent coin. Yeah, because all the, co- the, the crowns, 25 the crowns, crowns around it. Yeah. yeah. And there's a sort of little raised dot in the middle, which yeah. actually, if you're a bit silly like I am, I generally flip it on its side on its reverse and you can spin it like a little <laughs> spinning pot because it sort of works out like that it's um funny how it turns out to be but Stuart Devlin um his design of that is incredible mm-hmm. um and then yeah you've got the um yeah 77 so 81 82 come off games and then we didn't see any special ones till 88 the bicentenary one 91 the 25th um, anniversary of decimal currency and yeah between 95 and 2010 we just saw so many different designs yeah, it's ridiculous yeah. I mean, are there too many, do you think? I think when it comes to... It feels like the Mint has a flavour of a time period and they're getting really obsessed with the coloured $2 coins. There's, there's been 51 different coloured $2 coin designs oh. since 2012. And in 2020, they released... Or 2021, I think there was like nearly nine different designs that collectors could collect. And so you can saturate the market, but if people want it, people are going to buy it and they're going to do it, but... I think a lot of a lot of new collectors have come into the market the last couple of years. They don't realize that there's a market bigger or a, a field that's much bigger than just the color $2 coin. There's so many different $1 coins, 50 cent coins, 20 cent coins, pre-decimals, um, foreign coins. I mean, the, the coinage history of the UK and the United States are, are remarkable. So I think it's more so the mint can only you know, keep doing so much in that sort of colour $2 field before people just start walking away. And I think in the last few months, the Mint have really butchered their PR campaign in terms of trying to push new $2 coins out there, selling out um, too quickly, the dodgy dealers who aren't doing the right thing, um, Mint's website crashing. So it's going to be balancing out. And I think the issue is Mint's making record profits the last couple of years. I think they made a net profit of $25 million last financial year. And they need to more so think about the collector rather than the bottom line. 
Otherwise, they'll lose customers quickly as soon as they got them. Yeah, I mean, they could make a profit every year just by, by uh, you know, pressing coins or printing the notes and uh, not using them. Just say, here we go, I've just printed off $25 million. There's my uh, yeah. profit. Because it's funny because that, is... that, 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 that signage, um, so the difference between the face value and the metal value of the coin is called signage. However, $0.05, cents, $0.10, cents, and $0.20 cents coins are currently being minted as a loss. So they're going to keep pushing the collector market forward to cover yes. those costs because and those coins. With there. the collector market, mm. I mean, they had those things at the post office as well. Yes. Um, the 26 of them for each letter of the alphabet, they did a couple of them. Yep. Uh if people go in, they buy them or they get them in their change. I mean, the, the whole system was idiotic the way they did it. People <laughs> people do not want to do that. They just want, if they are collectors, they want to go in and yeah. buy them. They don't want to have the thrill of which one you're going to get in your change. Anyway, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Do you agree? I, I, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a purist where I still, because there's a term at the moment called noodling where people go to the bank, they'll withdraw thousands of dollars in coins, and they'll go search, 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 and they'll get the rare ones and they'll dump the rest back in the change because they're not going to lose yeah. money from yeah. doing that, right? Whereas for me, it's like, I still try and use cash where I can to get the coins back and say, oh, I'll find something awesome in my change. Mm. Okay. And, so, so that, okay. and I think that's how I fell in love with coin collecting in, in that sense, you know? Well, I agree. So, and this is the same with yeah. how a lot of people uh, fell in love with stamp collecting. But of course, yes. these days, most envelopes don't have stamps. And so... franking machines instead, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, so, you know, I think, you know, Australia Post has also totally screwed up their stamp issues, but that's yep. another matter. Uh, yeah. With the collectible coins, though, mm. it is, that's money for nothing. People are not going to use those coins. They buy them to put them away in a drawer, don't they? Yeah, and, and I think what it comes down to is, is, again, it comes down to those two transport. People buy those coins because they like the design, they like the aesthetic of it, whatever. They won't care about the value of it. It's, it's like buying fine china or it's buying that little antique doll or whatever it is you're buying, you know, that's sort of in that sort of that kind of realm. The other realm is where people think things will go up automatically in value down the track because it's collectible, it's going to be rare. And what people don't realize, in order to be to be for it to be rare or to be in demand, there's going to be a market for it. So if your product that you're buying now, and let's say the mint's released, you know, 20 items across the year that's collectible. I'd say one of them would probably increase in value significantly and the rest would hover around purchase value or some would even fall in, fall down track from that. So, yeah, and so you're getting a varied mix and you, it's more so understanding what is the market's flavour at this point in time. And I think because now we've got a new generation, a massive new generation of collectors coming in, but we also, that in that generation, as a, as a high school teacher, I speak that as well, is that attention spans aren't as long as they were. And so people don't, cherish and look back at them when I said, oh, I'm going to get this. Oh, no, I'm going to get rid of this and now get this. Oh, I'm going to get rid of that and then I'm going to get this new item there. Whereas a lot of the older collectors, when, when this is something that I try and educate from my videos, is like keep something that you think is going to be with you for the rest of your lifetime. And you can look back on it and it gives you certain memories about it and, and the joy and, and appreciation design and, and, and whatnot for that. Um, and so it's, it's about educating the people not so much the right way to collect because if people want to collect that way, that's fine. That's not for me to judge or tell people what to do. But be aware that buying all these coins up and thinking it's going to be rare, it's like, it's a silly way because past, like, it's like any other investment, buying crypto, buying shares, whatever. You're not guaranteed future profits down the track. And then people get burned and get upset. So I feel, um, yeah, so there's two trains of thought and it's more so 
I'm aligned with those who collect for the sentimental sure, and uh, artistic sure. and the aesthetic value of it all. Um, Christian Heathmont says, I have a round 50-cent piece with the old Parliament House on the back. Do you know about that one? Don't know. Okay, that's a weird one because before, when they did the trials for the 1969 dodecanal piece, um, that was a trial design. So unless he somehow managed to get that from the Royal Australian Archives. This could be worth, how much would something, like if it was round, if it's round with the old Parliament House or the the 12-sided one with the old Parliament House, which was a kind of a practice run, as you're saying, I mean, what are we talking about there? You know, you're probably looking in the tens of thousands of dollars, but I think I'll probably be more concerned how it was obtained in the first place. Because there's never been a circulating design with old Parliament House on a coin. That's that's the yeah. that's the thing I'm more concerned about than anything else. Um, Especially if it's um, a round one. Yeah, but the the thing with round fifty cent coins, a lot of people get confused with the New Zealand round fifty cent coin, the old one, so the big one with the ship on the on the back. It was bigger than our fifty cent coin. Somehow they, or sometimes you know, with a lot of New Zealand coins, you might find a twenty old twenty cent coin or ten cent coin you change. Those old fifty cent coins also pop up, and then people tell me, "Oh, I've got a round fifty cent coin with a ship on it. How much is it worth?" I said. Have you looked the other side of the coin and tell me which country it's from? Mm. And people are like, oh. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. All righty. Uh, let's talk to Helen in Broome. Helen, good morning. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um, I had an old uncle who left me a lot of pennies and halfpennies and threepences, and I wondered if they're worth having valued or mm. whether most of them have gone to the... Two up at the broom races, actually. Oh, sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. Pennies well, for a long time. Keep a hold of the 1930 penny. That's about all I know. Joel, what are you yeah, thinking? Yeah, that's pretty much it. The 1930 penny is going to be worth in the thousand. So a few 1930 pennies have sold recently in poor condition for about sixty thousand dollars. Wow. Um, wow. The 1923 half penny is also quite valuable, but the most of them, unfortunately, you know, you're looking at about fifty cents for a dollar each. Really? There. But yeah. 19... 1927 penny. I don't know if that's uh, worth I just, there's, there's, there's a couple that might are worth around $5 to $10 mark. If it's in absolute yeah. mint condition, you're going to get good money for it anyway because people are always looking for uncirculated versions of each penny. But in terms of its in circulated usage, you know, you're not going to look too much more between anywhere between $0.50 cents and $5, depending on the year for that. I'll go through them all and see if I've got a 1930, is it? That's it, 1930 penny. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Helen. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Is it uh, because, Joel, that that was kind of the depression was on and they didn't uh, mint many? Yeah, exactly. So they didn't release any into public. However, the Melbourne Mint was still in operation during the Great Depression and people were still coming for tours. And they had a thing, or this is a rumoured story, it's not still verified or confirmed, but people would mint their own pennies um, at the mint and take away as a visitor thing. And so there's a a limited amount of those that were minted in 1930, and that's how they've got into. So the circulated ones, you know, you could fetch anywhere up in the tens of thousands of dollars. And the proof ones, I think there was only five or six, and the proof 1930 penny... um, can fetch up to a million dollars. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to have that in your change, though, that's for sure. No, definitely not. <laughs> Peter is with us. Peter, good morning. Oh, good morning, boys. Um, just a query. I had uh, a series of uh, two-shilling pieces, which I collected about 1978 or 79. Very good mint condition, but someone stole them, actually, a few years later. 
but apparently some of those uh, in in that that period are, are quite uh, they're, they're valuable now. Is that correct? Because I'm a mathematician. I was thinking even if you put the money in the bank at that time mm. in compound interest. Okay. You, 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 you get yeah. to a considerable sum. What's All the right, so hang you're shillings from the pre decimal yeah. era. Yes. Well before actually they were forty, forty six or forty seven around okay. that time. All right, okay, fine. Joel? Yeah, so forty six, forty seven, they again, mint condition, always in demand. However, a lot of people now collect shillings, florins, um, six pences, three pences, all for its silver value. So they were selling silver, ninety two and a half percent silver. Later on, they'll push towards 60% silver due to rising cost of that. So you essentially you're looking at bullion value for a lot of this circulated um, two shillings, shillings, anything that's made of silver, people are, you know, you're going to get a few dollars, if not more, depending on the condition for that. So you always guarantee people now, there's a term called silver stacking where people will just buy up silver in the expectation that it'll go up in price due to um, global factors and whatnot. And so silver is a very popular purchase and you always... Um, people are always looking looking to buy more silver as you know um, global uncertainty and economic conditions continue. All right, Peter. Good luck getting it back, though. Thank you. All right. I remember even years, more than a decade after mm. uh, decimal currency ended, you were still getting shillings in your change, far more than any other coin. You you wouldn't get the um, sixpence all that much. Um, and I never saw a florin or a crown, I don't think. Mm. But the shilling, the one with the the sheep's head on it, the ram's head, yeah. I think that was that was around for years, wasn't it? Oh, to, to me, it was well before my time. But I have heard stories in in that respect where I guess the technology back in the sixties wouldn't allow you know because back then you didn't you didn't have big automatic chain coin machine um, counting machines. Transportation took a long time to get coins back from. Let's say you had a whole bunch of shillings in Perth. Got to get all the way back to, I guess, the RBA or back to Royal Mint in Canberra. So I wouldn't be surprised it would take years to really filter them out of circulation. Um, yeah, but I have heard stories, like you said, that shillings took quite a long time to um, remove itself from circulation. I certainly remember seeing them. Andrew is with us. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. I love your show and thank you. Thank you. Uh, and Joel, please, information if you have... Um, Oh, long story short, Dad died in '93. Mum sold up the house and cleaned it out just a few months ago. Unbeknownst to me, um, Dad had bought an Australian $200 gold coin for my son, who's now yes. nearly 40. I remember that would come out was one of the first collectible coins. That's what I remember, Andrew. I so have you still got it? I heard of it till Mum turned up with oh, it. Yes, wow. it's here now. Yeah. It's got a koala on it, I think, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, oh. Look, on. I haven't taken it out of the case. It's in a little plastic yeah. foam. Yeah. All right, Joel knows all about it. Uh, hang on to it, Andrew. Don't uh, don't lose it. Joel, no. tell us funny about the 200 Funny story about that one. So those coins came out with a face value of $200. The gold price fell soon after that which the the legal tender value was actually worth more than the le- than the um gold value of that coin however gold's skyrocketed since then and you're looking at eight hundred dollars each for those coins eight hundred dollars yeah. these days and that's in the gold in it gold content yeah, that's, that's just purely the gold bullion value because that's what people yeah. buy them for all right, right. andrew okay. hey, well much. done thank you very much andrew 
Uh, that was one of the first excursions into that collectible market, though, yeah. that the Mint made, wasn't it, Joel? Yeah, definitely. I think in that time, the $200 coins were very popular. A lot of people bought them out. I think it might have been, I think the issue price was $240 when it was released in um, 1980. And so we had saw a couple of those Koala ones. We saw the Commonwealth Games ones we had come out. Mm-hmm. And then we had some different, like a Frillnet Lizard one and a few others. And then, then they sort of, faded away after 1980 because I think there was a couple of like Captain Cook ones or whatever mm. through that. So that 80s period gold was a big deal. Um and yeah, and then they stopped doing them and they started they, they also had some big silver sterling silver ten dollar coins as well. Yes, right. And they all had yeah and they all had the coat of arms in those ones as well. And now again people are buying them up for silver value. And so those are currently selling for about 25, 30 bucks each. And then obviously those gold coins are selling for about eight hundred Joel Kandaya is our guest. Uh, I hope that's how you pronounce your name. Um, yes. Uh, Jordan in Geelong says, I think there's a, a currently a $2 coin worth about $9,000. Is that right? What You mentioned it before. What, what would be a, a $2 coin? What's the most valuable one at the moment? Oh, I'm just trying to think if there's an error coin I missed out regarding a $2 coin, but it's not to my knowledge. Okay. There is a $2 coin that's worth 900 There is, however... A two dollar coin that is worth about three hundred to three fifty, and that is the twenty twelve um, Remembrance Day Red Poppy coin. Uh, so, yes. yes, the infamous one which I absolutely despise. Um, <gasps> Looks beautiful. Oh, what are you talking about? It's, it's beautiful, but in terms of the collector market and how it's turned into, um, it actually that price of that coin's actually fallen from four hundred and twenty dollars um, four months ago. Five months ago. Just, so yeah. It's like any collectible. You need to know when to buy and when to sell. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So 504000 were minted, um, and they were given out as part of the RSL, selling them for $10 each on a little piece of card attached to it. Some RSLs glued the coin onto it, which was beyond, I don't know why oh, they did that. No. Um, but some of them put in little bags and stapled it on, which was good. However, there's so many that were left over, right? There's so many. Okay. Um, a certain dealer in in Sydney got offered a large amount of them to take off their hands and refused them. And so they were dumped at a, a, a Westpac branch in Sydney. Wow. And then made their way into circulation for that, even though so those coins weren't intended for circulation. But because there's so many left over, they ended up, and most of them actually have been found in New South Wales. I've been searching for 12 years in WA, and I have still have not found one. So just tell either. tell us what exactly you should be looking for here. So it's it'll say, it'll say $2 at the bottom. It'll say Remembrance at the top, and there's a red poppy, a red-coloured poppy um, on that on that back of the coin. Not a gold one, because there was 5 million gold ones that were produced. Um, um, they're not worth that much. They're probably between... $4 and $30, depending on, on condition. Yeah. But the Red Poppy, um, start of 2020, they're only going for about $80, $90. And Hang on, these are what, uncirculated or circulated coins? Um, so uncirculated. However, circulated are selling for about 150 100 to 150 each. Even though there were a couple hundred thousand of them? Um, yeah, because it's still it's, that's the lowest minted $2 coin ever out of mm. the lot. Because... Um, there's probably been about nearly a billion $2 coins minted. Since I think I've got one of these things. Oh, do you? That's good. <laughs> I've just got that feeling. <laughs> yeah, so they're probably uncirculated. You're probably looking at 300 bucks at the moment, which is pretty good still. Someone else wants to know about a 1968 two-cent piece. Again, they were minted in their millions, I'm guessing. The 68 two-cent piece, I need to refresh my mind on that. But I'm pretty sure there was a minted in... 
They were minted in 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 Canberra, and there was also minted in Perth. Um, but my mind isn't too fresh on the two cent coins. I'm pretty sure there's something about the two cent coin from '68 that is rare, but my details um, are absent from my mind at the moment. Whether the initials of the artist Joe Devlin is not on the on the uh, coin, I think those ones are a bit more. But hmm. I think that was I'm, I might get confused with '66. Um, but yeah, there there is a story between behind the two cent '68 coin, but I just can't remember what it is at the okay, moment. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, and I presume the reason that there's a mint in Perth and Canberra is that it saves having to take the money across the country. Is that right? No, no. So Canberra solely makes all the coins now in for Australia. Um, the Perth mint um, was making coins in the beginning, along with the Royal Mint in in Wales in, in the UK, as well as San Francisco Mint, um, the US branch of the US Mint branch in San Francisco. Um, sometimes demand a far strip um, supply or that there was downtime at the Royal Australian Mint. But Perth Mint hasn't made coins for okay. Australia since the 60s. Um, Melbourne Mint, which was closed down, I think, early 70s, they they made some coins as well. But so essentially all these branches, so the Sydney Mint, Melbourne Mint, Perth Mint, um, were all branches of the Royal Mint from the UK during colonial times. Sydney Mint shut down first, then the Melbourne Mint. Perfmint still exists because Perfmint is now owned by the state government um, and they now the world leader in investment coinage, especially gold, silver and platinum coinage, whereas okay. the Royal Australian Mint um, does circulation coinage, but also do collectible and also now starting looking to the investment coin market as well. Okay. Let's talk to Fred, shall we? Good morning, Fred. Good morning. How are you? Good, mate. What would you like to know? Uh, I've got a... 1870 gold sovereign. I was just wondering if it would be worth any, anything. In Australia? Australian coin? Yeah, it's Australian, yeah. I think it's Queen Victoria on it. Okay. And, uh, 1870 gold sovereign, all right. yeah. Joel? The gold sovereigns will vary because then you need to look specifically um, for a mint mark on the back of them, depending which mint they were made. So gold sovereigns were even made in Sydney, Melbourne. Perth wasn't until the 1890s. But it could also have been made in Calcutta and also in um, London. So there's a wide range of okay, variety. Okay. But based on bullion value alone, a sovereign's going to get you at least $600. Um, but depending on condition, the mintage, which mints from, definitely go and see a dealer, get a um, get an appraisal on that. It could be worth a lot more than bullion value as well. Okay. Okay, thanks very Thank much. Thank you very much, Fred. When you say worth a lot more, I mean, you say six, seven hundred bucks, maybe. You're talking about a yeah. thousand, ten thousand? Yeah, thousands. You know, some some sovereigns, you know, hit the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. But again, it comes down to mintage numbers. Um, some mints had far lower mintages than other mints. So you might have one year where four different mints were producing the coin, but one mint did a bulk of the minting and some just did small amounts. So those varieties are highly sought after. All right. You know, we've had plenty of calls, obviously, with uh, mm. uh, wanting to know, but you've got, what, 125,000 followers on TikTok. I mean, that yeah. tells you, uh, yeah. you know, how interested people are in this. Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not even the biggest guy on TikTok anymore. Um, there's another guy called Michael who lives in, Vic- in rural Victoria. He's got nearly half a million on TikTok. Um, he, he started after I did. He saw my videos and started his own. Um, and I've got about 46,000 on Instagram as well. And I think, I think it, it more so comes down to people discovering what their parents have or double looking at the change or just being curious in general. Like currency for a long period of time was pretty much taken for granted in terms of 
the look, the feel. I think as we move into digital um, payment um, formats and whatnot, people weren't really looking at it. It's like, oh, cash, don't want to use it. But now people are taking second guesses. Um, I think the, the more more important stories I, I actually enjoy from doing this is not so much the followers, it's, it's getting the messages from people saying, hey, thanks for talking about my coins. I can now reconnect. I can connect with my son, my mm. daughter, my grandparents about and talk about what they have and and what we have and, and pass on the collection down. And so hearing those stories, uh, uh, that gives me the joy in, in sort of keep pursuing this. It's not, it's not about the number of followers I have or who, how many likes to get on a video. It's more so hearing these stories and, and getting people more genuinely excited and, and going to going to the coin shows last year. I've never seen so many people become interested and the demographics so wide now. You're getting kids coming in as young as, you know, nine and 10 and and they're coming with their parents and their grandparents. And it's, it's a real... It's a real buzz in that, and that, that brings me a lot of joy. All right. Now, tell me about the unicorn coins. Unicorn coins? What? Oh, no, I don't mean coins with unicorns on them. I mean, like, what are the ones? That, oh, you know, okay, are, yeah, are, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, also ones that are likely to turn up in your change. Obviously, that poppy yes. one is. I mean, yes, you can buy collectible coins from a dealer or line up on New Year's yes. Day at the Mint. That's all very well. But yes. people want to have, find something unusual. Is there something in your change, if people still get change, uh, that might be unusual or not necessarily worth something, but worth more than face value, perhaps? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few. The one, the one that gets a lot of attention is the year two thousand one dollar coin. So the year two thousand one dollar coin, there's a small amount of them which were minted with a ten cent die, but on the head side. So what you see. You'll get a normal kangaroo side, which looks normal. But when you turn around to the queen's head side, you'll see a double rim. And what happens is that they use a 10-cent machine on the $1 blank, and the queen's head is smaller, and it gets a, a double rim on the outside. Mm. So that's known as a mule. So that means that's an error, which should have never happened, and it's happened. And there's been a – I wouldn't say significant. There's been many of them found, and people are still finding them even as recent as – um, last couple of months, and those coins will vary between uh, three hundred and eight thousand dollars, depending on condition. So the the year two thousand one dollar ten cent mule is massive. Um, the the nineteen sixty six wavy baseline twenty cent. So on the base of the two, it's flat, but just above that, it's wavy rather than also flat. Um, those gained a few hundred dollars, if not thousands, if if it's in mint condition. And then there's other coins which are just low. I just to interrupt by saying Jim in Townsville oh. said, I have a 2000 mule, but I haven't found a wavy yet. Yeah. It's, it's, and that story, like, I've found two mules in my life, but I still have never come across a wavy. Mm. And so there's always going to be things where. Well, you're I'm not going to find gonna... a two cent piece these days, are you? Not really. Sometimes you do. Sometimes, um, sometimes when I did the odd noodling sesh, you'd be surprised where. But I mean, you're not going to get them a change. That's no, what I mean. you're not. Yeah. No, they're still legal tender, but yes. people people don't have to accept them either on that. So yeah, re- yeah, you're not going to get one. We've got a couple of minutes to go before the news. What's hmm. uh, coming out this year that might be collectible? Um, I think it's going to be the King Charles III effigy. Um, coming up, they're saying that probably won't happen until middle of middle um third third quarter of next year, uh, of the sorry of this year. So. Seeing the new set of Australian coins with King Charles's head will probably be the biggest thing. Obviously, there'll be some new coloured two-dollar coins coming out, um, and and people are also wanting the Vegemite set from late last year for the last set that has to be the last set of the Queen. So we don't know what's coming out because the, of course Queen passing the new effigy. Um, there's been a bit of delay in what's coming up from the mint, 
Um, but I think it's the King Charles the Third effigy is going to be the biggest deal for twenty twenty three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But we that may not be out till next year. Um, or probably at the moment they're saying year. it'll probably it's, uh, they're probably saying it's going to be July, August, September. Okay. This year. Tell us more. Uh, you're on Instagram. You're on TikTok and, and other places as well. What's the best way to uh, find out what you've got to say, Joel? Yeah. So follow me on uh, TikTok at the History of Money, and on Instagram at the History of underscore Money because someone already took my handle <laughs> for Instagram. Or um, yeah. So got you, and best way to really reach out, contact me via Instagram and message me there. So those are two main places you can find me. All right, Joel. This has been absolutely fascinating. I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Rod. Appreciate it. That is uh, fantastic. Joel Kandaya, um, who was uh, the history of money. Have a look at him on Instagram or TikTok. It's absolutely fascinating. And obviously, you know, it's something that we interact with every single day for the most part. Um, and, yeah, really interesting. Everyone's got money, I hope. Overnights with Rod Quinn on ABC Radio.